You're listening to a message from Victory Dumaguete. For today, we're having our serious break. We're going to talk about anxiety. I've entitled this preaching or sermon called Freedom from Anxiety. Now, I don't know about you, but when you take a look at what's happening around us, especially in our city, perhaps you're seeing the COVID cases, the pandemic, how this thing has greatly affected the way we live our lives. Perhaps for some of you, it has affected your job, your work, your businesses, your health your relationships, your homes. When you look around you, the way we live right now, we're living basically in uncertain times. There's a lot of things that can cause anxiety around us. And perhaps at least once over the past year, perhaps you've asked yourself this question, what do we do? Or what should we do? Now, if ever you found yourself in that situation or whatever you're facing right now, if you're experiencing anxieties, worries, doubts, fears right now, I encourage you to greatly listen to the word that we're going to be talking about right now as we talk about how to have freedom from anxiety. So that being said, can you just read your Bibles to Matthew chapter 6, verses 24 to 34. This will be our main passage for today. It says here, No one can serve two masters, for either he will hate the one and love the other, or he will be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and money. Therefore I tell you, do not be anxious about your life, what you will eat or what you will drink, nor about your body, what you will put on. Is not life more than food, and the body more than clothing? Look at the birds of the air, they neither sow nor reap nor gather into barns, and yet their heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not of more value than they? And which of you, by being anxious, can add a single art to his span of life? And why are you anxious about clothing? Consider the lilies of the field and how they grow. They neither toil nor spin, yet I tell you, even Solomon, on all his glory, was not arrayed like one of these. But if God so clothes the grass of the field, which today is alive and tomorrow is thrown into the oven, will he not much more clothe you, O you of little faith? Therefore do not be anxious, saying, What shall we eat, or what shall we drink, or what shall we wear? For the Gentiles seek after all these things, and your heavenly Father knows that you need them all. But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. Therefore do not be anxious about tomorrow, for tomorrow will be anxious for itself, sufficient for the day, is its own trouble. Now, a bit of context lang before we unpack the verses we just read a while ago. Matthew chapter 6 is part of the chapters in the book of Matthew called the Sermon of the Mount. Basically, Jesus, this is the first of five discourses in the book of Matthew when Jesus talks about the kingdom of God. Now, the Sermon of the Mount is basically a sermon that's focused on righteousness. And to sum it up, in a way, it's all about knowing how to live a life that is dedicated to and pleasing to God. So if we want to live a life that's pleasing to God, we need to also read the Sermon of the Mount. This will greatly help us. Now, let's go straight to verse 25. As we talk about how to be free from anxiety or how not to worry, how not to be anxious, let's take a look at first Matthew 6, verse 25. It says there, Therefore I tell you, do not be anxious about your life, what you will eat or what you will drink, nor about your body, what you will put on. Is not life more than food and the body more than clothing? So right off the bat, the verses there tells us now, therefore I tell you, do not be anxious. If you're here today and you're feeling anxieties, the Bible says, do not be anxious. Now I know that can be difficult, but again, this will greatly help us how not to be anxious. And it says there, do not worry about your life, what you will eat, what you will drink, nor about your body, what you will put on. Now if you notice, these things are basic necessities when it comes to living. Food, clothing, drink, all these things are needed for us to survive, for us to live. So the Bible is telling us now, wait, don't worry about these things. Now, to qualify, are these things not important? By? Well, no, by no means. These things are important. I mean, you cannot live your life if you don't eat or if you don't have clothing with you. These are basic things that are necessary. These things are important. 
I'm not saying that after this preaching, ay, raguna-huna, unsay kanon ninyo, unsay usaron ninyo. If you're a parent, you have a child, and muas ninyo, ma, pa, unsay pagkaon. Ay, ranak, ay, raguna-huna atong pagkaon. Yung nyo sa preaching ganyan, ay, raguna-huna, ana. That's not the point, okay? But the problem here that this verse is pointing out is not being anxious about our life. There's nothing wrong about thinking about the future or planning or thinking what you will eat or drink or buying things. The problem here is because of anxiety, of being anxious. The Bible says, or the verse says, do not be anxious. Now, what does anxious here mean? If you do a quick Google search of what anxiety or being anxious means, it's basically having extreme uneasiness of mind or brooding fear about some contingency or uncertainty or an uncomfortable feeling of nervousness or worry about something that is happening or might happen in the future, or basically extreme worry. And if you look at the Greek word of this word, anxious, it means to be drawn in opposite directions or to be torn into pieces because you're drawn in opposite directions, to be divided, to be distracted. Now, how many of you can honestly say that you've experienced that as well? When you're anxious, you're pulled, your attention is pulled in different directions. You're distracted. You're constantly worrying one thing to the next. You're into different directions in your mind. That's what anxiety does to us. And this word means to be so disturbed about material needs or to be so anxious about them that we distrust God and are distracted from faithfully doing His will. That's why this verse is putting out, do not be anxious. Because to be anxious basically means having a lack of trust in God. Because you're so worried about all these material things. Now, you, know, you forget that God is there, that He can provide, He can help us. That's why anxiety should not be present in our life, or we should not live in anxiety rather. Romans 14 verse 23 says, And everything that does not come from faith is sin. If anxiety means doubting God, that means we're not living in faith. That's why the Bible says, do not be anxious. If we constantly live with anxiety, constantly live with extreme worries, doubts, fears, that means we're not living a life of faith. We are constantly doubting God. We're constantly distrusting God. The Bible says we are to have faith. If we want to please God, we need to have faith. If we want to honor and worship God, we need to have faith. And that's why the Bible says everything that does not come from faith is sin. Right off the bat, the Bible says do not be anxious. This passage then gives us several arguments on why we should not be anxious or several arguments that helps us how we can be freed from anxiety. But first, I want to take a look at one key word in this verse, of verse 25, and that is the word therefore. You see, every time you read your Bible and you see this word therefore or similar words like thus or then, you have to take a look at the preceding verses or even chapters. Because what this basically means is that this verse 25, therefore, it's basically a conclusion. It says, therefore, to conclude, do not be worried about your life. In other words, we need to take a look at the previous verses for us to appreciate all the more the weight or the significance of this verse. Now, we should not worry about life. We should not worry about what we eat, drink, or what should be clothed our body. So we're going to take a look at that. We're going to take a look at three therefore statements in this passage that talks about not being anxious. And that's basically the main thought about this passage, do not be anxious. In fact, the word anxious is repeated five times in this ten verses alone. It goes to show you point hey, do not be anxious. Now, why should we not be anxious? Let's take a look at the first therefore statement and the surrounding verses around there. It says here, so verse 25, on the later part, it says there is not life more than food and the body more than clothing. Now, if you remember, I told a while ago that these are basic needs. Food, clothing. The verse here says that you know what? life is more than this. Meaning life is more than just the physical living, more than physical life. 
And when you look at the verses before that, you would see why it concludes this statement or why it has this question. In Matthew 6, verse 19 to 21, and later on in verse 24, it says here, Do not lay up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy, where thieves break in and steal. But lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven where neither moth nor rust destroys and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. So we see here in these verses two kinds of treasures, earthly treasure and treasures in heaven. And the Bible tells us which is the good kind of treasure and which is the bad one. Firstly, we have earthly treasure. And the verse here says that do not lay up for yourself earthly treasures. Negative ang ginaingon niya. You don't want to do this. It describes earthly treasures as something temporal. Mawala ra over time, degrade, mufade. It says here that moth and rust will greatly affect it or will greatly destroy it. Or it can be stolen by thieves. It goes to show us that we should not live a life that's all about accumulating earthly treasure, laying up earthly treasures. Now to qualify, I'm not saying that there's something wrong when you're rich or when you have wealth or material possessions. There's nothing inherently wrong with wealth per se. But the problem here is living a life that's all about hoarding or having material possessions, laying up treasures, earthly treasures for yourself. If the center of your life is how to gain more money for yourself, have more possessions for yourself, accumulate hoard of things for yourself, then that's the problem right there. First Timothy chapter 6, verse 10 says, For the love of money is a root of all kinds of evils. It is through this craving that some have wandered away from the faith and pierced themselves with many pangs. So the Bible has no good things to say about love for money or hoarding things, material possessions for yourselves. It tells us that ang mga earthly treasures, mawala ra na siya. In fact, have you ever been to a funeral na nasa'y pick-up truck ko yung niya, nasa'y dalang mga gamit, possessions niya, yung dalon sa, sa funeral niya? No, you don't see that. No matter how much we hoard these things, we cannot bring them with us when we die. That's the futility of what this verse is trying to talk about. That we should not lay up for ourselves earthly treasures. Then we have the second kind of treasure naman, the good kind. Treasures in heaven. These are eternal, incorruptible. These are things that cannot be destroyed by moth, rust, and they cannot be stolen by thieves. When we say to lay up heavenly treasures, it basically means the opposite of hoarding material possessions for ourselves. This means honoring God with our wealth. Whether through generosity, giving money or giving wealth in a way that honors God. Using what we have in a way that honors God. That's what we mean by laying up treasures in heaven. We show that Christ is our treasure and that we love others more than we love our own security and comfort. This is what it means when we lay up treasures in heaven. And verse 21 also says there, For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. It's telling us that kung unsa ang treasure ay mong gilayap, nadya ay mong heart. Nadia yung focus, nadia ang center sa life ni mo. If you lay up earthly treasures, your heart is there. If you lay up treasures in heaven, your heart is there naman. And if you say, can I not do both? Can I not lay up earthly treasures and treasures in heaven? Well, the Bible says in verse 24, No one can serve two masters, for either he will hate the one and love the other, or he will be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and money. So you have to decide. You have to choose between one master. Because the word serve here talks about a slave. And a slave can only be owned by one master. So you have to choose which is what kind of master do you want? What kind of treasure do you want as well? So when we sum up these verses that leads to verse 25, we see here a cause and effect. If you lay up earthly treasures or if you serve money, 
Your heart is there sa treasures, earthly treasures, sa money. And if when your heart is there, something earthly, something that will rot, that will be affected by moth, by rust, or can be stolen, says dear, it will lead you to become anxious about food, drink, clothing, about your life. You will be anxious about your life if your heart is on earthly treasures, if your heart is on love of money. But on the other hand naman, if you lay up treasures in heaven, if you choose to serve God, your heart is there. Your heart is there kang God. Your heart is there in laying up treasures in heaven. And therefore, it will lead you to not be anxious about your life. Because for you, life is more than just the physical life, more than the material things. That's why in verse 25, it says there, is not life more than food, clothing, or more than the physical? Because for you, your life now, your heart now is on God. You're serving God. You're laying up treasures in heaven. In other words, to sum up this first therefore statement, we are freed from anxiety when we choose to serve God and lay up treasures in heaven. When the center of your life is not about hoarding material possessions, wealth, or not laying up earthly treasures, you will not be anxious about your life. Because for you, life is no longer all about just the physical lung. Life for you is about having a life with God, whether you'll be in lack or not, whether you experience hunger or not, you will still enjoy life because you are with God. For you, life to the full is life with God. Now let's go to the next kind of therefore statement naman. Okay, Matthew 6, verse 31 to 32. It says here, Therefore, do not be anxious, saying, What shall we eat or what shall we drink or what shall we wear? For the Gentiles seek after all these things and your heavenly Father knows that you need them all. Now, the first verse, parang gibalik-balik na niya ang previous therefore statement, di ba? Don't be anxious about what shall we eat, what shall we wear. Naisumpa yung verse, ginaingon si Jesus here. And he says, for the Gentiles seek after all these things. The Gentiles are basically non-Jewish people. People regarded as people who don't know God or have no God in their lives. And Jesus is basically telling them, you know what guys? Don't be anxious about what you should eat, drink, or what you should wear. Don't be anxious about your life. Because the Gentiles, those people who have no God, who don't know God, they seek after these things. They are anxious about these things. Trying to tell them, what's the difference in you? If you have God and these people who don't have God, if you're both anxious about these things, what's the difference? Why are you doing these things when the people who don't know God are anxious about them? If you have God with you, you should not be anxious. It even says in the end, and your heavenly Father knows that you need them all. What an encouraging statement there. Our heavenly Father knows that we need them. Just like the last time, for us to all the more grasp the weight of this statement, let's look at the preceding verses. Firstly, in, in Matthew 6, verse 28 to 30. Now, in this one and the next verse as well, Jesus gives two kinds of illustrations to make his point why we should not be anxious. Firstly, he says, And why are you anxious about clothing? Consider the lilies of the field and how they grow. They neither toil nor spin. Yet I tell you, even Solomon in all his glory was not arrayed like one of these. So Jesus is giving his illustration. Look at the lilies in the field. Look at these flowers. They neither toil, they don't work, they don't make their own clothing or buy clothing. Yet I tell you, says Jesus, even Solomon, who is one of the great kings of Israel, who was one of the richest, grabe ang greatness niya people from different places would go to him, would seek wisdom from him. But here, Jesus says, Yet I tell you, even Solomon, in all his glory, was not arrayed like one of these. Wala ka compare si Solomon nila, yung si Jesus. But if God so clothes the grass of the field, which today is alive and tomorrow is thrown into oven, will he not much more clothe you, O you of little faith? Jesus says, if kaning mga flowers or grass of the field, if sila, they're here today, they're gone tomorrow, 
And Jesus says, has this question, how much more will he not clothe you? How much more ikaw? Nagamay ang faith in Jesus. And to add further to the point, in Matthew 6 verse 26, the other illustration, Jesus says, look at the birds in the air. They neither sow nor reap nor gather into barns. They don't have agriculture. They don't plant plants so they can harvest food for themselves. They don't have barns or farms. And yet their heavenly father feeds them. Are you not more valued than they? In these two illustrations, Jesus gives two important questions that basically directs to the reader or to his audience how much the Heavenly Father cares for them. He first asks them, are you not of more value than they? Are you not more valuable than these birds? These birds How much more will He clothe you if He is willing to clothe the, the lilies on the field? In other words, if God would even feed the birds and clothe the lilies, how much more will He care for His own? If God was willing to do all of these things for birds and lilies, how much more for His people? That's what Jesus is trying to come across here. That's why He says, Your heavenly Father knows you need them all. That's the important weight of this statement. He knows you need them all and He cares for you that He's willing to provide or give you these things. Now, if you might ask, why should I think that all the more God should care about me compared to birds and lilies? Well, if you look at some of these verses, you know why. Genesis chapter 1, verse 27 to 28, when you go back to the story of creation, to God's original design for man, it says here, so God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him male and female, he created them. And God blessed them and God said to them, be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth and subdue it and have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the birds of the heavens and over every living thing that moves on the earth. Think about that. Of all of God's creation, we're the only ones who were created in His own image. Created in His own image. Not only that, but when we were created, there was this commission. There was this blessing to go forth and multiply. Now, we cannot go forth and multiply. Of course, we don't have those basic things that we need to survive. So part of the blessing is And not just that, for us all the more grasp how much God is loving and is caring towards us. John chapter 3, verse 16. If you remember this verse, For God so loved the world, he gave His only Son that whoever believes in Him should not perish but have eternal life. Who is in the world? We. Kita. We did not deserve this kindness or this act of love that God did for us. But nonetheless, He did it for us. It says here, He gave His one and only Son. If when you have something that you'd be unwilling to just give it to anyone. When you give it to someone, it shows how much you care or love for that person. Well, for us, God did this for us. He gave His one only Son for us to die on our cross for our sins so that we may receive salvation, that we may receive forgiveness of our sins. We did not earn it by no means. Deserve this gift that God was giving, but He did it nonetheless because of His love for us. And Romans 8 verse 32 says, He who did not spare His own Son gave Him up for us all. How will He not also with Him graciously give us all things? Think about that. If our Heavenly Father gave us, it was probably the most difficult thing to provide the answer to our salvation, how much more the other things of this world. That is why in Matthew 7 verse 11 as well, if you then who are evil know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father who is in heaven give good things to those who ask Him? So parang, if kita gani, flawed as we are human beings, we know how to give gifts. Diba? When you want to give a gift to someone, diba? at least malang you have a basic thought, dapat ka ng tiyada, dapat ka ng mableshya. Diba? You have those thoughts. But how much more God how much more our Heavenly Father, who is perfect, who is loving, 
who is flawless, who is awesome, who is mighty, how much more Him that He will be able to give good gifts as well. Therefore, to sum up this therefore statement, we are freed from anxiety when we realize that our Heavenly Father values us and knows what we need. When we realize that God cares and knows what we need, it frees us from having anxiety. It frees us from worry when we realize that we can trust God. Now wait, I can trust God. He has done so many things for me. He has provided the most difficult kind of provision. How much more are there things of this world? When we realize how much God loves us, even at our worst, He did all of these things for us. It just enables us to trust Him, to put our faith on Him, that He is trustworthy. It's kind of like whenever you have this experience na kung basta knife person with you, assured mo, or wala may worried. For example, pre-pandemic, before pandemic, my wife and I, mahilig mi mukaog and wings. But as long as we have this one friend with us, dili mi mag-worry, hindi na mo mahurot ang wings. Basta nani siya, but natoy one time, wala kami rang dua, naglisod mi gurot. We ordered the usual, but realized because wala tong kuyog damo, naglisod mi gurot. But as long as nato siya, kampante rami, dili mi mag-worry. So perhaps we have that similar experiences, whether it's a group report, if you're a student right now, namo ka nga group mate. Okay na, mahuman ang report, makaya na siya. Or sa work, nasalanakan siya person, he or she is able to succeed or make it happen. Or in your family, when your parents are there, your dad, your mom is there, kampante ka, okay na, namoy makaon. Di mo magway, malimpyo ang balay, bas naay mo mama, naay papa, or nakaling responsible na sibling. The same thing, all the more, multiply a hundred or a thousand times. When we have God with us, we will not be anxious. Because we know that our Heavenly Father cares for us and values us. The last therefore statement is in Matthew 6, verse 34. It says here, Therefore, do not be anxious about tomorrow, for tomorrow will be anxious for itself. Sufficient for the day is its own trouble. That statement says, do not be anxious about what's going to happen tomorrow or next week or the following month. Tomorrow will be anxious for itself. Now, this greatly ties the main thing that's being centered of this passage. In Matthew 6, verse 27, it says there, And which of you, by being anxious, can add a single hour to his span of life. When you're anxious, when you have anxiety, is your hour added? Is your life added? Ba? Nag-add ba siya value sa life niyo? By no means. It does not add a single hour to your lifespan. It will not help what's gonna happen tomorrow. The whole point of this verse is to tell us nga, useless ang may anxious. Useless ang having this extreme worry. It does us no good. In fact, it will do us harm. If we have anxiety, the Bible there says nga, do not be anxious about tomorrow. Now, what's about preceding verses, Annie? Why we should not be worried about what's gonna happen tomorrow? Verse 32 to 33 says, For the Gentiles seek after these things, we mentioned this a while ago, and your Heavenly Father knows that you need them. Now, in verse 33, we have this contrast. If the Gentiles are seeking mga food, clothing, shelter, they're anxious about these things continually, they're anxious about their life. The next verse, verse 33, gives us a contrast. Naman. Do not be anxious about these things because the Gentiles, those people who have no God, seek about these things. But as for you, or people of God, seek first the kingdom of God. Contrast, seek first the kingdom of God and His righteousness and all these things will be added to you. Well, there's a lot we can unpack on that one verse. It's verse 33. Into Jesus, seek first the kingdom of God and His righteousness and all these things will be added to you. Now first, what is the kingdom of God? Perhaps you've seen this many times in the New Testament. Kingdom of God or kingdom of heaven? When you think about the kingdom, you'd think of a castle. The evil castle siguro nasa mind ninyo. Or enchanted kingdom. Or bata mo. Or you grew up in your childhood. Toy kingdom. We think about a place, a castle with a king or with guards and knights. 
But when we talk about the kingdom of God, the most basic definition of the kingdom of God is the rule and reign of God as an expression of His sovereign will. Meaning every time or everywhere that God is being honored, glorified, everywhere where His rule and reign exists, there His kingdom is. And the whole world belongs to God. Sinclair Ferguson, a theologian and scholar, says the kingdom of God is a kingdom where God's appointed King Jesus is presently reigning in and through the lives of His people, accomplishing His will on earth as it is in heaven. In other words, the kingdom of God is not bound by earthly boundaries or borders. Not like some of the Philippines, not an area of responsibility. Or like any other countries, no borders. The kingdom of God has no borders. Whenever there are people of God who are honoring or under His Lordship, under His reign, His sovereign will, the kingdom of God is there. In other words, we are to seek this kingdom of God. But it also talks there uh, about His righteousness. We are to seek the kingdom of God and His righteousness. Now, righteousness means to be approved by God or what is approved in the eyes of God. What is right in the eyes of God, properly or judicial approval. So something that is right in the eyes of God. Now, if you remember, we're only deemed righteous because of what Christ did for us. No matter what good deeds we do, how many good works we do, we will not be deemed righteous in the eyes of God based on our own merits. But rather, we are deemed righteous because of what Christ did for us on the cross. That's why big deal to John 3.16. For God so loved the world that He gave His one only Son for us. Whoever would believe in Him should not perish but have eternal life. One of the results of that is to be declared righteous before the eyes of God when you have Christ in you. So in other words, when we say, seek first the kingdom of God and His righteousness, Primarily, it means, of course, when we are to seek salvation that is part of the kingdom of God. We cannot be part of God's kingdom if we don't receive salvation, if we don't receive this gift of salvation that comes from God. So when he says, seek first the kingdom of God and His righteousness, yes, primarily it means salvation, but not just that. It also means that in everything that we do, we are to seek the things of God as a priority and we are to basically honor Him. Meaning, in all that we do, are we doing things as if we're under the rule and the reign of God? Are we doing things that we're under the Lordship of Christ? Are we doing things that we are honoring God the way we do things? In other words, when we say we're giving priority or we're putting first the kingdom of God, it doesn't mean that between honoring God and being a good spouse to your husband or wife. It's not that. It's not one or the other. But rather, in all that we do, may it be a good spouse or a good child or a student, we honor the of God. You are seeking the kingdom of God when you honor God in all the things that you do in life. Whether it be studying well, or being a good husband or wife, or parent to your child, or being a good worker to your boss, or being a good boss to your employees. Whenever you choose to honor God, you are seeking the kingdom of God. You're living as if you're part of God's kingdom. We see here in this verse that Jesus didn't just tell them to stop worrying or to stop being anxious, but He told them to replace their worry with a concern for the kingdom of God. Here in verse 30, He says basically, do not be anxious. previous statement But instead of being anxious, being extremely worried, think about the kingdom of God. Seek the kingdom of God and His righteousness. Think about these things. Pour out your hearts and minds about these things. Rather than worrying about all these physical needs or extremely worrying about these physical needs because I promise and all these things will be added to you. My blessing, all these things will be added to you. Now, just to qualify, you might think, oh, does this mean that I'm not I'll never be hungry, I'll never be thirsty. Ba? Will I be rich? Ba? Does this mean that if I seek the kingdom of God, I'm going to PS5 go after? If I seek the kingdom of God, I'm going to open up the Just to qualify, when it says these things, immediately in this context, it means the basic things we need to survive, to live a life that we're able to honor God. 
it doesn't mean also that we'll never encounter first hunger or problems. There's no promise in the Christian life that says na we will not have problems. In fact, one of the promises of following Christ is that we will have suffering. We will have pain. The Apostle Paul, who sought the kingdom of God, who advanced the kingdom of God, experienced much suffering, hunger, thirst, cold, beaten up, robbed by thieves. Not experienced suffering. But what this part of the verse tells us now, through God's sovereign will, He will still provide for us. He will still provide and meet our needs. Okay? Yes, we might think that ang timing nato ang God lahi, or how we think of how it's going to be provided is different. But the point is, God will provide for us in this time. According to His sovereign will, He will do so. To sum up this therefore statement, it says here now, basically, we are freed from anxiety when we seek first the kingdom of God. When our worries, when what consumes our minds are no longer the physical things of this world, but rather the things of God. How do we live a life that honors God? How can we advance His kingdom? When that is what's on our minds, rather than, rather than constantly katong mga physical needs, it frees us from being anxious. To recap, we are freed from anxiety when we choose to serve God and lay up treasures in heaven, when we realize that our Heavenly Father values us and knows what we need, when we seek first the kingdom of God, when we have these things, it frees us from anxiety. It frees us from being anxious. Now, after hearing all of these things, what does this mean for us? Knowing these things, knowing that we should not be anxious, knowing how much this passage tells us now, do not be anxious, do not be anxious. In fact, there's so many arguments here that tells us now, do not be anxious. Nga. What should we do now? next step? Firstly, pray to God about your anxieties. If you're anxious about perhaps so many things, for some of you, your job has been affected right now. Perhaps you lost your job. Perhaps your business is not doing well. Or if you're a fresh graduate, you're thinking about how can I find a job in this season? How can I get employed in this time right now? That's your worry. Pray to God. Cast Him all your anxieties. Or perhaps it's healing or sickness. Or your grades, mga studyante. Or what's your education going to be like in the coming months? Philippians 4 verse 6 to 7 says, Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God which surpasses all understanding will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. Do not be anxious. The Bible has no good things to say about being anxious. It says here, do not be anxious about anything. But in everything, by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. As simple as it is, how many of us are guilty? Uh, a lot of times, we worry, we're anxious, but we don't pray. We think about certain worries a lot. Kumaligo pa ka, the moment you wake up, magkaon ka, gatanga ka, gawari ka, gathing ka, pero wala ka nag-pray. Wala ni mo giingo ni God. Lord, this is what I'm worried about God. If you have anxieties right now, let your requests be made known to God. Tell God about it. Lord, these are my worries. These are my anxieties. And it says here, the promise is, the peace of God, not just any peace, not the kind of peace you can get by trying to relax on your own, drinking tea, watching movies, trying to entertain yourself, or sleep, or eating. It says here, the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Now, how many of you need that? If you have emotions that's constantly not well or not at peace, yes, sir, this peace of God will guard your heart and your mind. Next is repent of your worrying, your anxiety, or your doubts. The Bible has no good thing to say about anxiety. It does not honor God. So repent of your anxieties. If for the past few days or weeks you've been anxious about certain things, repent to God. Lord, I'm sorry for being anxious. 
Lord, I'm sorry for the many times I've distrusted you. Lord, I'm sorry for the many times wala akong nakatrust nimo, nakahab faith sa imo, Lord God. For the times I've leaned on my own understanding, I've trusted in my own ways. Lord, I'm sorry for those things. Repent to God for the times that we've been anxious. Last but not the least, seek the kingdom of God and His righteousness. Perhaps, narealize mga, wait, di ako part sa kingdom of God? Mark, this is the first time perhaps you've heard about Jesus. This is the first time you heard about this kind of thing, this sermon about God. Perhaps for the longest time, you had no idea who God is. The Bible says, seek first the kingdom of God and all those things will be added to you. Now, if you want to be part of the kingdom of God, John 3 verse 3 says, Jesus answered him, see Nicodemus, Truly, truly, I say to you, unless one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God or he cannot be part of the kingdom of God if he is not born again. When it says being born again, it means to have a new life in Christ. John 1 verse 12 says, But to all who did receive him, who believe in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. 2 Corinthians chapter 5 verse 17 says, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. These verses tell us that if we want to be part of God's kingdom, we need to be birthed again. We need to be a new creation that is only possible because of Christ, because of Jesus. When we receive Christ, when we are living in Christ, we become a new creation. We become part of God's kingdom. Now, why is it necessary to have Christ in our lives? Di ba pwede nga mag-turn a new leaf ako, magbagong buhay ako, I'll do things on my own. Di na kaya na to. Di na siya pwede. Remember, for God so loved the world that He gave His one only Son for us. And whoever believes in Him shall not perish but have eternal life. Without this grace, without God giving His one only Son for us, we would experience the penalty, the punishment of our sins, which is death. In other words, church, you cannot be part of God's kingdom without Christ, without the gift of salvation that first is made available to us because of what Jesus did for us. That's why Jesus seek first the kingdom of God and His righteousness. If we want to be part of God's kingdom, we need to receive His righteousness. The righteousness of Christ is only possible by receiving it from Jesus. May we be reminded of that, okay? that we can be freed from anxiety when we choose to serve God, when we realize how much God cares for us, and when we choose to seek first the kingdom of God. You just heard a message from Victory Dumaguete. For more messages like these, or to access other resources, please visit victorytumaguete.org or like our page on Facebook.